Hello and welcome to the Halo podcast with me, Pete Robertson, and Miles Ross. How's it going, Pete? Yeah, great, Miles. Nice to see you. This is our first ever episode, and here today we're going to be talking about Halo Worlds mainly, and sort of the end of a brilliant six months for Halo, and kind of wrapping all that sort of all the hype we've had since the game launch up into sort of one hour-long package. Um, we're going to start off with a quick news roundup to get people back up to speed on what's happened in the last couple of weeks, and then we're going to get into talking about the nitty-gritty of Worlds. So here we go. A couple of weekends ago, we had the Halo World Championship Finals for two and a bit million dollars. We had CLG coming out on top, beating Allegiance 4-0 in the finals. The semi-finalists were Denial and Elevate, and rounding out the quarters were EG, Epsilon, Renegades, and Team Liquid. Uh, a week after that, we had iSeries over in the UK, which Epsilon took a, uh, pretty comfortably without dropping a game against a rather depleted field. And obviously since Halo Worlds, we've had roster mania with rosters, basically everybody but CLG making a change. Currently, the only confirmed ones we have are suspected to EG in place of commonly. And Miles, do you think you've got a bit of intel on the uh, the Renegades lineup? Oh, we might be looking at Renegades are currently scrimming with, it looks like we've got Ninja, Victory X, and we've also got in that lineup commonly, jumping over from EG, obviously you've got the Swift Boot after they lost to CLG at Worlds. Um, and rounding out that squad, which I think is pretty rad, is Penguin from Elevate. Um, I actually got to, I spent quite a bit of time with Penguin at the Worlds. Um, and he was, yeah, he was a sick guy. He was also a nice dude. A lot of fun screaming in the front row. Great. So, that does the news. And now we're going to get into the, the nitty-gritty of the world. So, you were there, Miles. How was it? Just from your perspective, how was the whole experience? It was good. I mean, I mean that's, a, I'm, under, I'm selling it poorly. It was amazing. <laughs> It really, it genuinely was amazing. It was like, it was a Halo dream come true, you know, especially because the build up to it was so tremendous. Every little leaked piece of information that was, it was dripped to us basically, you know, and we found out, oh, there's going to be a world championships. And then we found out shortly after that, it was like, it's going to take place. There was no venue announced, so we were waiting with bated breath for that sort of thing to come. And then, yeah, like all the, again, every, every little bit of intel was like a milestone in every Halo player's diary and and it was just so exciting to see it all unfold and yeah i wish i do kind of wish it was um it was handled a little better in the in the kind of build up to it like we we things like the pro league and stuff now people are complaining that there's not enough information and all that but it, it kind of feels the same way for worlds but it doesn't matter now it, you know once it once it got in the swing of things it actually began it was just the most incredibly exciting thing as you said the most amazing six months of halo Ever, yeah, I mean, I think it's been fantastic for the whole community to have something to really focus on um, rather than kind of a slightly more disparate calendar before because you'd have like the odd event in the US, but there was no kind of running theme to it, I guess. And this has really given it kind of a real end, like a real focus for next for that last six months from launch to sort of Worlds, which I think was really great. I also think that hopefully with Pro League coming up, we'll get more into kind of what's next in a later podcast. We're going to have that again, which I think is brilliant to keep the kind of progression we've made in the last six months going onwards rather than um it kind of petering out so but your point of view you were there uh as an actual event once you were there once it was all going on how was it was it fun was it stressful you know just give me some give me some insider info from from the kind of fan point of view as a fan it was amazing because you know it was the culmination of so much hard work and such a mad journey but as an event it was totally different it wasn't like a land you know, now with all this developer um, involvement and like, big sponsorships, and not just because the prize pool was $2 million, $2.5 million, but it's not like an old land, you know, that was being held in a gym somewhere or in like a convention center. It's more a show. And it really is. The focus now is very much on the stream and 
the audience who were there. I mean, at this event, particularly the audience who were there, it was reasonably smaller than everyone was expecting. People were expecting sellout stadiums and all that, but this really was the first time anything like this had been attempted for Halo, bar the World Championships for Halo Four. The, yeah, the, the World Champs for Halo Four, um, which was a different kind of. It was t- it was totally different. It wasn't really um, sort of similar scale or anything like that, but. Again, the focus was so primarily on it being a show that when you got there, there was like a big stage. There was very little in terms of um, spectator experiences for the side stream. So if we were the side stream, we held down the B stream hype. Me and, and shout outs to Strong Side and, and Onset and Marky Boy. Good lot of love to them. Um, but we held down that side of the, of the stage, you know, pretty much the whole time. And the weird thing was that it was like the great big main stage that everyone saw in the videos and all that. But then there was the side stream, which was basically an elevated platform which had the two, you know, the station under the two teams. Um, and there was very, very little along the lines of spectating that you could do there. Um, and those were the most exciting games. So as an actual fan and an event, it was totally different to what we were expecting. You know, the hype was there and people were going nuts, but it was... You know, the the focus was so on it being a big show and the stream being quality, which I think it was. I've I've totally I've rewatched the, the broadcast and it still looked great. I think as a as a event for production wise, it was brilliant. It showcased kind of the best of Halo. You kind of you had two streams to watch. I thought I thought it was fantastic from a from a fan at home point of view. And it's something we've got an interview on the podcast later on with uh, Buck Twenty, and he actually touches on a little bit of that the difference between. Um, the experience of competing at an event like this, which is very much, you know, it's a qualified for event. There are, you know, 32 teams there or, and, you know, or 16 teams. And, you know, the difference between that and competing at kind of an MLG in the old school days, we'd have 270 teams and, you know, fans for other games, people would watch. And they're kind of the contrast in those two experiences. I think it's quite interesting. I think we've seen the way esports has gone generally down towards these more kind of sort of production heavy stream sort of led things, which makes sense because putting on a putting on an event for kind of two hundred and seventy teams is just colossally expensive for, you know, the quality you get out. But I think it's interesting kind of that that fan dynamic has maybe shifted from being, you know, a lot of the times when you're watching the streams for those old big events you would sort of not quite know what was going on. Uh, whereas now, you know, at home when you're watching these events, you can see everything, but maybe as a spectator when you're there, it's not quite the same. No, it definitely wasn't the same. But um, in, in that same vein, like being in the crowd was still amazing. You know, when we, I was sitting pretty much front row for, you know, whenever I could. If I wasn't on, this, if I wasn't casting or in the toilet, you know, nervously shitting, I was basically... I was basically front row watching these games and screaming my lungs out at all the, all the wicked plays I saw. And I remember it was a, it's a, it was a really surreal experience looking back. Because at one point, you know, I'm sitting in the front row of a Halo tournament watching two, watching Renegades and Allegiance battle it out for... Like, the next cap or the next sort of point wins gets these guys, like, 125,000 US dollars. And there was a moment where, like, I looked to my left and Walshy's sitting there playing games on his phone. And I'm like, what, the hell, what is going on? What's the deal? And then, and then on the other side, like my girlfriend's like two rows away, also playing games on her phone. And it was like, and you look around, and you know, oh, Chig's over there, and you know, it was just so weird to see all these, like, you know, just uh, uh, like uh, every player you've watched or played with in one space, all watching the same thing, all having a good time, all you know, there for the same reason. Yeah, that was another weird thing. Again, going back to the Bucks, to see guys like Max and you know, Riots um, from Excel and the Bucks, who I've actually known now, thinking about it for years, like almost six, maybe even seven years for Max. Like we played Halo 2 together. To see him in the same room as like, you know, 
all these other all these US players who we were watching at the same time at home at two o'clock in the morning on our laptops, shouting, you know, cheering them on, which is so unbelievably strange to see. And then you've got like Frank O'Connor's a couple of rows away picking his nose or, you know, whatever's going on. Like it's all just, it was like, a, it was a weird halo dream to be completely honest, man. As a fan, as a fan, it was absolutely bonkers. Yeah, it was, it was an absolutely, I mean, I, I was blown away by it. I thought it was brilliant and got a lot of excitement back for me personally for Halo because I've kind of been, I've been following it along in the build up, but that really got me excited. And it's one of the reasons we've started this thing. So I guess we should move on to the games. Now, CLG, Miles, they won. Beat defeat the Legions 4-0 in the finals. I think they dropped three games. No, three games in the tournament because they dropped two Slayers to Denial, I think, in the semis and one to CLG in the groups. And that was it. Oh, Epsilon. Epsilon in the groups, yeah. Yeah, CLG, yeah. They dropped one to Epsilon in the groups. I mean, they look quite a lot better than everyone else, don't they? I mean, like that... Well, they, battered the, they, they did batter the living shit out of everyone <laughs> who came across them. And it was horrible at times to watch. And, and it, cast over. It was horrible. Because, I mean, there's nothing you can say other than, yeah, they're obviously a lot better, right? I mean, that, that was essentially where we were too. I mean, you're watching it, you're trying to get hype because this is a game for like a quarter of a million dollars. You're like, they are just pancaking them. <laughs> they're just yeah. kidding. It, it, it reached a stage, I remember like, during one of the commercial breaks after the first game, it was Walsh and I were doing CLG versus EG, and I kind of turned to him and I was like, "This is done, man. This is done." And he goes, "No, it's going to be okay." Dave was ever optimistic. Dave was like, "No, it's going to be okay. They want the this wasn't their best game type. You know, Empire Strongholds is not their best. Up next is Regret TS. Uh, they beat them at um at the, at the X Games. It's going to be okay." And I just looked at him and was like, "Dave, this is going to be such a savage spanking." I'm like, "Dude." There's no way. And it was honestly, it was horrible, man. It was horrible to watch because I did want EG to win. I wasn't bullshitting. I wanted them to, to genuinely do well because they put in so much time. If anyone's just seen um, Towie or Towie, Towie or Towie, I don't know. No one's corrected me. They, everyone just, because all the corrections come in type form, in written form. How do you know if you're pronouncing a man's name incorrectly? Anyway, so, so, can we just get, so can we just get someone to voice message Miles, please, on Xbox Live, how to pronounce Towie. Towie, if you're listening, just give him a, give him a buzz. And, uh, give me a buzz, man. I've been doing this wrong for a long time. I've been giving you nothing but bad rep. But like, I, I watched his, um, his, his YouTube channel today, um, and he uploaded a video about like, what went wrong with them. And talking about how much effort they put into the practice that went into that tournament alone... Um, and the amazing journey that they went through, picking up commonly and winning the X Games, and then the most rigorous and punctilious approach to improvement that they put themselves through in the build of that tournament. I mean, just hearing that was, it was exhausting to hear for a start. I mean, hearing the hours they put in and what they were doing. Um, but it's just amazing. And then to see the result they got, oh gosh, it must be so heartbreaking. Um, you know. I, I, got, I don't know much more to say. It's just quite, quite I mean, I, I, I want to talk a bit about that series anyway. I mean, I... Th- I thought the mindset was um, wrong for them going into that. Uh, I follow it from home, obviously, because I wasn't out there. But as soon as... Um, I mean, EG lost to Renegades fair and square in the group, right? They, they just lost. They got beaten by a better team. And then as soon as they lost that, uh, Snipe Down started tweeting about how the whole bracket system was ridiculous, how it was a random single elimination tournament. And I just thought, you, you're meant to be like the best team in the game. Like, and this is the biggest tournament of all time. You shouldn't be afraid of anyone. You've put in all that practice. You've worked incredibly hard. And you could just tell from like his attitude that he was putting out on social media that they were, they were worried. And to me, they kind of had lost to CLG before that game had started. They just seemed like, like mentally they were like kind of 
you know, you want you need to go into those games like in a really positive kind of upbeat mindset, and he just didn't have that. And I think that obviously CLG was the worst draw you could get, but they should have won their group. They, they were a better team than Renegades, like, and they should have beaten them, and they just didn't bring it at all. And you know, they they sort of got what they deserved in the end. I hate to say, and I that feels a bit harsh, but I I just think they were such a disappointment at the tournament. In the time between the North American regionals and the grand finals, the World Champs. CLG literally went almost undefeated in scrims online. No one took any more than four games off of them from that entire period. The only teams that came vaguely close were EG. And even then, the games that they lost, it was a bad loss. Like, it was, we're talking like steak dinners and three ones, and, you know, it was it was pretty mean. So I think going into it, it's so hard not to be like, these guys have battered us and dominated us for so long now. What the hell do we do to change that now in the biggest tournament of our lives. And I think it's just, that's almost too much of an ask. I don't care how good you are. And and as a team, I don't think EG are the guys, they don't get so emotionally invested and so fired up like Navy does or like Allegiance can do. You know, I, th- I th- also think Renegades are like this. They're the kind of guys that they can put the past behind them because the present moment that they're in is so intense. It almost blocks the minds, you know, it blocks fear and doubt and, and you know, reason and logical thought. It just what is in front of them is the only thing that matters. And I think that's a really, I think that's a very um, useful trait to have in a in a group of players. We're not in all four of them like that. Yeah, no, I think I mean I was probably being a bit harsh on Renegades there, but I just meant their previous tournament placings compared to EGs throughout the last few years. They're just not, they weren't even comparable. And for them, but I think EG are the sort of team that I know you what you mean. They're not, that's like they're not that emotional team. But they seem to get on like a momentum roller event sometimes where they just get better and better and better. And then suddenly they're like un- unplayably good. Like Roy and Roy particularly, he just he can just get once he gets starts going. But they seem to start so flat against Renegades. That was almost a tournament over for them. As soon as they'd lost that series, it just felt like that was it. They, they were not going to get through. So. so, But I think, I mean, going back to CLG, I think. Just watching them play, I mean, I spoke to you, I think, during that EG, I tweeted you or messaged you or something during the EG series saying, CLG don't look out of second gear at the moment, and they are just spanking them. Like, they are giving them, they are putting the trousers down, giving them the once-over, and they just, I mean, they didn't really seem to need to get out of second gear the whole weekend. Individually, when you watch their POVs, they're just so calm and precise in what they're doing. There's no, you know, there's not, they're not, they don't look frantic when you're watching them play. They don't look all over the place. They're just like, in every situation... I'm going to make a correct, calm decision and it's going to be the right one. And they just seem to, all four of them seem to have that ability. They, there was so much trust in that team as well. Like they knew the amount of times that someone would leave a kill and not have to chase it because they know that their teammates have got it. They know that like if they're getting shot in the back, they don't have to turn around and do anything about it because they know that their teammates are in position somewhere to help them out. And trust is a big thing. I, and I feel like, you know, did you, you might remember the, the listenings that we did. We did a listening with both teams and when the CLG listening happened, it was, I think it was on Regret TS, and they were just like, they were just calling out as you do. Yeah, they're, they're hyped and they're ready to go, but they weren't screaming or anything. And then we did the listening on Evil Geniuses. The, I think like the third or fourth thing we heard was Snipe down screaming, Don't die! Don't die! Don't die! Stay alive! And it was like, oh my god, it's, it's done, man. It's so over. It's so done. And we watched Roy get like out, out assault rifle after he got like the first 33 shots or whatever. I don't know, it's to count that. But he, he got absolutely crapped on. And then I, I remember just turning on the wall. That was the moment. It was They're done. They're ab- this is game, set, and match. I don't care what's coming up next. It's finished. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's over. And then, yeah, and I think, and also, I mean, 
we'll probably have to move on from CLG shortly, but just shout out to Lethal for making that team change because that was a ballsy team change when he made that. That was bo- like he they were the best team EG at that point. They had had basically been reasonably unruffled in Halo Five thus far, and he obviously thought the only threat to us is that CLG lineup. The only threat to me as a player is that CLG lineup. Now, if I go to them, I strengthen that lineup and I hurt the EG lineup. And he made that choice. And I think you've got to give him props because that was a big decision. EG also a very big organization. I know they support their players an awful lot. And um, you know he went for it. And his move has been totally vindicated because he is, what, a quarter of a million dollars richer? If that's some criteria of, you know, that really worked out, it, it certainly worked out. They didn't get the, the X Games, but, you know, they won the NA regionals and they won the Worlds. It was, it was pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. But what, a, what a difficult thing to do, though, because, again, as you say, they didn't, like, EG didn't look very ruffled coming out of um, the MCC. They looked like the unquestionably the best team. And, and again, like, I don't want to put that, it's not all lethal, although he will call himself the deciding factor as why that team was so successful. In every photograph of, you know, the last major wins, there's four guys holding a trophy. And there's one constant in every single one of those photos, and that is lethal. You know, and he'll tell you that. I, mean, I think, and rightfully so. You know, he's obviously an amazing player who brings lots of teams. Um, that goes without saying. But again, what a, what a huge call to make on your current lineup, which is still doing well, still dominating scrims online, even though it was early stages of the game before any major tournaments happened. Uh, and it was it took a it must have not taken very long because they got through those those online qualifiers um, in the NA region. And, and basically, he made the call then, like, this isn't working out. There's definitely something wrong. I need more than this. And yeah, as you said, props. Like, big, what a judgment call. What a gut decision to make. And what a massive, I mean, I want to, I want to call it like a, a proper shitstorm afterwards. Like, Rostermania. Oh, fantastic. That was, that was the most, that was the most heinous Rostermania I could have ever asked for because Ogre 2 got shit on. That's Ogre 2. I mean, I, I love Ogre 2 Miles and I was devastated not to see him there, but you can't deny that. Like lethal improved that team, <laughs> like, like and and yeah. I I love Ogre too, and I hope he comes back, and I hope he wins twenty million dollars in Halo Five. But um, <laughs> it's sad. I mean, it's sad though that he missed out. But I think you know that's. I think also what you saw from a few um, from if you look at the results from from Worlds. I mean, look at look at the rest of the the top four: Allegiance, Denial, and Elevate. They are not established names in Halo. They haven't. They haven't been like. They're not like. Cloud9, who've been playing for, you know, since Halo 3, Halo 2, and dominating. These are new guys who have worked super hard, and they've got it. And I think maybe it's a bit of a kick up the, the backside of the, you know, all those guys have been for a long long time and taken these top eight placings for granted, you know, that we can just, t- you know, we can just turn up to a tournament, I'll get a team together beforehand, and we'll be fine because, you know, I'm Cloud, or I'm Hysteria, and, you know, I'm the best. And I think, you can see now, you just can't do that. I mean, like, these guys who they're not the most they're not the biggest names but they just have been working hard and they've really nailed it and i think so big shout out to those guys maybe we should talk a little bit about uh we'll start with allegiance those four teams so you know obviously it's it's weird it's like you know needed but then if you told me that there'd be a guy called again just like looking at the top four if you told me that in the world in the grand finals of you know the of the biggest halo tournament ever there would be a guy called Predevonator in there. Or even, I mean, let's just go with it. Let's go with Boo Boo Doo Boo. If you told me that, and I'm like, nah, dude, Ogre 2's going to be in there, or there's going to be a Pistola, or, you know, Heinz will be in there probably. No, dude, they're not. And instead you've got 
essentially children who have come out of literally nowhere. You know, Hook has he he only played Halo for like a couple of months before getting into denial and just becoming one of the best players in the world. Statistically, one of the best players in the world according yeah. to his placements and his bank balance. Like, what the hell, man? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I writes this shit. I think it's great. I mean, I think sadly, I think most of those teams look like they're not going to stick, which is a shame. I mean, Allegiance broke up, I think, basically the day after. But I want to, I mean, I just want to talk about uh, Allegiance for just a little bit because I think we can all agree that whatever Nade it is, he's not human. And no, I, th- no. I think um, it was almost lucky in a way that he didn't win because whatever, whatever form that he has, he's created the kind of person form of Nade, right? And if he'd won them, if he'd finally won that event after a decade of trying, I think, you know, the the thing that possesses him would have burst out and just sort of, you know, it would have been like Godzilla rampage around Hollywood. So I think in a way it was good that he didn't do that. But I think also just how good that team was. I mean, they came through a lot of tough games, didn't they? Yeah, they had like, they beat Renegades 3-2 from 2-0 down in the quarterfinals. And then they had that really, really tight game, um, tight series against, I think it was Denial. Could we just chat that? Oh, elevate! It was against elevate. So we had on on the top on the top side of the bracket. It was so they walked the most amazing the the, the reverse sweep against Renegades, which was that was unbelievable. In the quarterfinals that was ridiculously exciting. And then they went straight into um, uh, the elevate game, which again was so amazing. Like watching Swift kill and Rain and Calm and Penguin play because they absolutely dicked everyone they played against. Like Epsilon went down three zero, which I didn't expect. I mean, I, I didn't expect that in the quarters. And then, yeah, the games against the Legions were just freaking incredible. And it was like the crowd was so on Nated's side, that whole tournament. From the moment he entered the building, there were people chanting Nated. And even my girlfriend, who doesn't know too much about competitive Halo, she was like, why is everyone going crazy about Nated? And I was like, ah, oh, you know, he's a family man. He's been around a long time. And, you know, he's he's doing this for his son. And she was like, oh, I'm so one. <laughs> and she joined the Nated chant. And I was like, well, that's all it took. But the, I felt bad for the other guys because they were playing out of their skin. But uh, they, once you met that wall of the Nated fans and all those guys going off, like I mean, Kratos, I actually think Kratos has one of the best shots I've ever seen. Like he reminds me of like Karma from Halo Two. He's just one of those guys. Like no matter what situation he's in, he will probably clean five you <laughs> from like a filthy angle and ruin your push and absolutely shit on every ch- like hope you had in the last forty seconds. He's that kind of guy. So I think for Elevate coming up against a team like that who are so charged, they had there was like four or five people on their side of the of the, of the stage, like the, the most passionate Allegiance fans who were throwing shirts on stage and you know lifting up. <laughs> they had signs and stuff, and they were just going absolutely crazy every single time anything happened. Those guys, you you'd see them, and that does get into your head. If you're in an Elevate player, you're like. We're going to probably, like, you know, we're not just playing those four. We're playing, like, those four on the other side of the stage. And then there's, like, 30, maybe 50 people on the other side of the room who are all screaming that guy's name. They really don't want us to win. And you can't deny it. Like, these guys are children, essentially. Like, they're quite young players. It's going to get in their heads. No, and they are, they're quite inexperienced, I suppose, if you compare them to Nadid. But maybe, I mean, the rest of that uh, Allegiance team isn't the most experienced, although they have been around probably a little bit longer. But, I, I mean, that was quite an extraordinary series, that Elevate one, because it was super close. And then the final game, do you remember they got um, they got three would in like three minutes on uh, in flag? It was unbelievable. It was like they just totally fell apart. Allegiance just suddenly had this momentum, and they just started scoring. They scored the flag in the first like I don't know, under a minute, and they just kept putting them in, and that was it over. It was done, and it was just this kind of quite extraordinary 
kind of series because they looked really in it at that point. It was they just it was you know three two and then the door shut immediately. <laughs> so and that was and that was game, that game over. I mean, how would I mean? Obviously, Nadir has never really managed to stick on a team for a long time. If you look at you know, there's like basically that CLG lineup. It's stretched a bit, but it's been together for quite a while. Um, you've got EG have been on quite a while, you know. But then you've got Nadir. He never seems to hold down a team for very long. And I, I don't know. As a teammate, he's sort of the guy. I feel like he is the sort of player that can do anything, you know, in the game. Like he, you know, you, you watch him play and you're like, he can do anything. Like he could be the best player in the world for, you know, a game without a problem. But he must be such a hard teammate to be with because sometimes he just seems like he's just trying too hard. And when it's not happening for him, it's really not happening. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. He, he's, he's, he's got, so, a, I mean, yeah, as you said, like he's, he's so, he's, he's like too, he's too extreme. He's either absolutely dominant in everyone in the game or he's making crazy plays that don't really benefit anyone but the other team. Yeah. I mean, I think he, he sometimes feels like he's trying too hard. Like, if you compare him, like, to remember CLG, Nader is constantly trying to make stuff happen. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's trying to have this big effect on the game rather than just making the kind of correct move all the time. You know, he wants to be the guy that jumped in, got a ground pound, span around, no scope the guy in the face and pulled the flag. Whereas... You know, the more sensible move would be not to do that. And but he, he, do you know what I mean? He, but he's always trying to make that happen. And when that happens, you're like, Jesus Christ! But when it doesn't, you're like, what? The, he just lost snipe, man. What is he doing? Who is this, who is this like, madman? What, what is he up yeah, it to? Seems, it does look that way. It does. It does completely look that way. Like he's still. You, you know, he's a good player. You know, he's very smart. But it's like it's death or glory from the viewer's <laughs> perspective. You're like, he's a champion. He's the greatest in the world. And everyone's screaming and like throwing their kids on stage and stuff. But then if he doesn't do it, everyone's like, oh man, Nadir is such a idiot. And that's so, that's so unfair. Yeah. He is a great player, but it is, it's just what it looks like. I know, it but just what it looks like. He does have that, you know, he does feel quite extreme at times. What other series were really good? I thought, I really enjoyed the Team Liquid Denial series in the quarterfinals. Oh man. Okay, the, that one. So that was, a, that was a super series. But that was one that was so hard to watch, man. <laughs> Like, oh, I know. It was so because Liquid. I thought Liquid probably should have won it. Mm. You know, I mean, all the love in the world to Denial. I think they are amazing, amazing players, and they deserved everything that they got at the tournament. But Liquid, it looked like Liquid lost rather than Denial winning that one. Mm. I, th- and, I, I watched the final game of that. Uh, well, I watched the whole series, but the final game, Ace had that last sniper. When it was tied up, we, like 40-40. counted the shots. And he whiffed every single one, man. <gasps> and well, that just... was the argument. That, that was the argument for everyone's like, oh, the snipe's really easy to use in Halo 5. It's so easy, it's so easy. You know, the bullets shoot, the, you know, the bullets make their way to the heads themselves. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you watch Ace miss like seven shots in a row. And, and it was he just... really needs to only get four kills and weep into that sniper. And it was just, just heartbreaking because they just got progressively more. Every time he missed, he gave up like territory on the map. And Denial just cornered the whole Liquid team in that horrible spot. And um, and, then they, and they just got absolutely rolled. They lost by about five kills in the end. And it was tight before that. So, But, I mean, that was an yeah. extraordinary series. Again, I was really impressed with Liquid, actually. I know that seems sort of counterintuitive. They placed, uh, you know, uh, fifth to eighth in the... Got out in the quarterfinals. But I, I thought they looked really good. I thought Unlegit particularly looked very, very good. I thought he was sort of a bit of an unsung hero of the tournament. I... I think they're. I think they're a team that no one had much expectation of going in. People were sort of maybe, maybe they'll get out of their group. They should be fine, but they're not going to do anything. And they actually, were, I thought they were really impressive. They, they, I think there was a certain degree of um, other teams writing them off, especially like they were written off in terms of the top three. Mm. You know, they weren't going to beat CLG. 
no, I don't think too many people were expecting them to beat EG. And that third place was sort of more in the hands of, um, it was more in the hands of denial or allegiance. I actually, my predictions for that tournament were, were renegades in third place because I felt that once they get going, they're unstoppable. And I believe that, but they didn't get going, obviously, against allegiance and they sort of fell over and that happened. But you, when we saw them playing well, it was amazing to see. But yeah, it, Liquid, Liquid really, really impressed everyone on the day. And, and also, like, just as people, they were all so cool and so, so nice, which was like, Again, you don't, you don't like if you've if you've never met these guys before. It's sort of it's almost daunting to go up and be like, "Yeah, what's up?" Like, yeah, Elamite Warrior. Yeah, and I've been watching you play Halo for like ten years. Yeah, big fan. And they were honestly the most like wonderful people to talk to. Like APG, we sat down and I spoke to them for a little bit um, just before their first series on the B stream on on the Saturday, and they were such cool dudes. They were so nice to sort of sit and talk to, because again, these people are all just. They're all just gamer tags or tiny in-screen cameras for us. Yeah, you know, as 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 like intercontinental players or fans. Yeah, so that was re- that was brilliant to see as a team. But again, like I was that final series, be the final game. I was Plaza TS, and I will never forget. I remember watching Strongside change the POV. So Ace was about to like <laughs> Ace was about to get a, like a clean kill, and for some I don't know why Mike did this. He just changed perspectives, and Golden Boy. Golden Boy being the true professional that he is, like, he kept it together, but you could tell he was pissed, and he was like, side go back, side go back, side go back, and you felt the moment where the show was so important, the show must go on, but at the same time, he kind of wanted to strangle him, and then when we cut, he cut to, he cut to, like, APG's crouching on the stairs, and everyone was like, no, no, and we cut back, and Ace was whiffing. He was whiffing again, and it was like, oh, okay, whatever. Mike, it wasn't so bad, but the build-up to that, yeah, it was just, it was could not have been a worse time to change. And I think Mike, as well as a, you know, as a, he just he just seemed to start choking. He was he was you know in spectator mode. He was ace, you know, in that moment. He was whiffing his shots. <laughs> he was you know making the wrong moves. There's Golden Boy's teammates going go back, and he's yeah. But I thought well, that was a great series. Yeah, it was tough to watch, man. It was tough to watch. But the finals, like let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about the finals. I mean, we've covered almost everything except for CLG Denial, which again was a nail biter and and uh, it was just amazing to see those young guys who are so. As I said, Hook's barely played this game, and yeah, he did. Okay, Hook's been dropped from Denial because you know for reasons. But as a team, you know, when you look at again, if you told me that Bo- a guy called Boo Boo Doo Boo would be in the top four of the Halo World Championships. I tell you to fuck yourself because that sounds ridiculous, right? It sounds ridiculous. I mean, I think no, just man, they were amazing. They I were think amazing. it just takes a lot of balls to turn up to an event with a game of tag and boo boo. I mean, I think that whole team, you know, that's a gutsy set of game of tags they've got there, and yeah. uh, you know, they've come and they've they've played brilliantly. I think I thought that CLG denial series was quite weird because CLG just never. I mean, the first game, no, it wasn't that game. It was the Allegiant series, but they didn't really ever look like losing the objectives. But they just seemed to never really be close to winning either of the Slayers they played. It was kind of an odd series from that point of view. Because, you know, you felt like if Denial can take this to the last game, they could win. Because they look a lot better in Slayer than CLG. Which is the only time the whole weekend I thought CLG looked ruffled. But they just didn't seem close and objective. And it was a really odd series from that point of view. Do you know what I mean? They weren't... Like, 4-2 makes it seem quite close. But the games themselves didn't feel that close. You know? Yeah, it, it definitely didn't feel that close. I think yeah, I think you're right. Objectively, CLG were unparalleled. Like I don't think anyone came close objectively. But it's the Slayers. Halo Five is quite an odd game for that because the Slayers you can snowball really badly on them. Like yeah. particularly on Regret. Like Regret was the game type all weekend. 
that was never close. It was almost all... Uh, the only, I think the closest one I saw was EG versus CLG, which was like 50-41. That was the closest that I ever came. If it wasn't that, it was like... None, not a single European team, I think, except for Epsilon. I will have to check my my uh, my tweets on my notes. Nobody made it out of like nineteen kills. The Australian teams, uh, the New Zealanders, and, and Adam, sorry. So like the ANZ teams and the European teams, no one broke twenty kills on anyone from the North American region. They just absolutely played Regretias perfectly and so hyper aggressively that was literally nothing anyone could do. Mm. I mean, it's so it's such a hard game type when people play aggressively because you just get trapped in like a base and you're like. Well, that's what yeah. do we do? And when you spawn out, you're then picked off because they've got the power positions on the map. I th- yeah, I think I, I think that's an interesting observation because it's something I haven't really picked up on myself. But now you say it, I'm thinking, yeah, that they didn't see a lot of close games on that. But I think you get flattened, man, and you just, you can't. You're right. You spawn and there's an angle on you from behind. You've got it, it's one of those it's one of those maps where it's wonderful to have those symmetrical midship esque maps. But when you've got three, even four angles where an enemy team could come from at any given moment, if you don't have the numbers, you it's the end of the line for you guys. And especially against a good team. It seems super hard to, to get out or break that setup um, once it's there. Particularly against teams like you know the really good teams who are so well drilled. They're like, once we've got the setup, we know exactly we're going to get camo at the right time, all those sort of things. So... So well, let's we can talk a little bit more about maybe the European and ANZ and international teams after uh, an interview I've got with Buck Twenty coming up. So I'm gonna we're gonna play that and then uh, we'll come back. I'm sitting here with Alex Buck, Buck Twenty. We are in our office because me and Alex happen to work uh, a floor apart yeah. the, in the same sort of big company. So you guys, so you're just back to the real world, I suppose, after. Uh, Halo Worlds, and then you had I series. So, you know, how's it all going? Tell me about, I guess, your last couple of weeks. Um, so it's been a pretty hectic last few weeks, just in terms of both work and also practice. So every day without fail, I've been working every day 9 to 5 where I can when I'm not at events, and then playing from like around 7 or 8 till late, and late being between midnight to maybe 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, depending on what we're doing. Um, also streaming and doing some YouTube content as well. So it's been really manic, but also really enjoyable as well. Like it's been a good experience, like traveling around the world, still while working and practicing with the team and this also I think in terms of our performance it kind of shows that we practice, if we practice a lot and you play a lot then it does pay off as well great so I was going to say so you guys how do you feel about your Halo Worlds sort of how it ended up because um, I I guess from my opinion from watching it I have slightly mixed feelings about it do you know what I mean because yeah. you, you played so well on the Friday and maybe not so well on the Saturday so maybe you guys you can talk a bit about that and how that feels and yeah, maybe so- what happened I think a lot of people see it as like a big accomplishment to kind of get top eight and break into the top eight in America and North American scene. Um, from my point of view, I think it was kind of, we didn't really show our, our full potential still. Um, we kind of showed slightly, most of it on the, on the first day when we played CLG and we actually managed to take a game with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first game in the series, we got destroyed 3-0 on Fab and Flag, but mm-hmm. on the second game, we won that. And then the third and fourth games, they were so close and it could have probably gone either way. Um, so it's kind of disappointing that we didn't beat them in the groups and also when it came to playing Elevate in, our, in the quarterfinals which was a really awful experience for us like I've never had a, a series where as a team we didn't did, nothing was working it wasn't clicking no one was energetic no one was getting pumped mm. and it showed in the it showed in the series score so I know Elevate are a good team and I even tweeted about it saying like people are under, underestimating them they're a really good team they're performing well but in my eyes we should have still beaten them yeah. So and then that would be top four, and also just from advancing another round in America, this is so is so important because it means another three to four games against one of the best teams in the world. 
So I just wanted to be able to do that, but unfortunately we, we didn't. So do you think, I mean, from watching it, you guys just seem reasonably flat against Elevate, I thought. And, you know, no one, I mean, obviously there was a lot of hype around Jimbo on the Fridays. He was playing amazing. Yeah. But you just, again, I guess you say you didn't really get anything started. Was there anything, I don't know, one thing I thought about watching it, and you can tell me this is true or not, was maybe... Did it feel a bit like like mission accomplished? We've beaten like Cloud Nine. We play well against CLG. Like almost from a mo- from you guys being the underdogs, everyone going wow. And then it was hard to get that energy back for the second. For I the think f- also, yeah, I think second that, day. to an extent that was it. But also in case that I'm not going to use it as an excuse because all the teams had to do it. But we were up at five five thirty in the morning or five o'clock just mm. to get the coach to the event because it was quite far away. Mm-hmm. So we were starting to feeling a bit tired. We should have probably had some more Red Bull or some or some more energy drinks to sort of wake ourselves up. But it just felt like we were kind of half asleep going into the series and we tried to put it back, but it was just by the time we got going, it was just way too late. Like, mm. And I think personally, I feel kind of disappointed and also I feel like we let down Europe to, to, to an extent because we lost 3-0. Like, we should have at least like 3-1 or 3-2 against them. Um, so yeah, I think as a team, we did just fall, fall flat on our faces, really. Pretty pretty damning assessment. So you guys, um, of your Saturday, obviously, I think you guys obviously played amazing on Friday. And I think... I guess there was a slight hope from the European that we were like, oh, Cloud9, they're slightly... Yeah. Like, they're sort of a random sort of group of people that maybe yeah, just scraped in on points. It was a good for us, really. In terms of the groups that we could have got, I think it was quite beneficial for us to not win the European qualifiers. Uh, I think Infused were a bit pissed off that we didn't that we didn't win it and that they won it because they got a worse, arguably a worse group. But at the same time, we can. I can still argue that we beat Renegades. I know it was a, it was a it was a newer team and newer roster X Games, but we mm. beat them in, in X Games. Yeah. So that there is there was a chance for them to beat them, mm. but it seems like Infused just didn't turn up at the event at all. And there was quite a lot of kind of interns with the actual team itself. So I don't think they actually got on that much, and their team chemistry just wasn't there. Whereas in but in the in the European qualifiers, their sole mission in that event was to beat us. Mm. Like um, you can see that Chalky and all the other players were so much more determined to beat us in that event compared to when they went to America. There was I think they were almost. They had what we had on the Saturday. They had that in the World Championships, yeah. which is the worst time to have it when you're playing for <laughs> $2.5 million. I, I also thought like um, from them, and this is, I mean, I'll, I'll try and speak to them uh, before this goes out, but they um, it, they almost seemed like they were resigned to like not, not getting out of that group in advance. You know, they were moaning on Twitter and that about the groups and those sort of things. I think, you know, that sort of maybe was an insight in that like, okay, we've got to the world, so we're going to get that much money. And then, you know... We've got a tough group, so maybe, but they didn't seem to have that confidence that we could actually do it. Do yeah, you know what I mean? and I think also they should have used their time uh, more efficiently when they were before the event because like, they could have practiced and like, kind of learned what the other teams like Renegades and EG were doing. So we actually studied Cloud9's gameplays where we can, so a lot of them were streamed and had partnerships, so we can't watch their VOD like, mm. freely. Yeah. But um, I think it was uh, Denoxide on their team doesn't do that, so we just literally watched all of the VOD <laughs> from streams and worked out what they were doing as a team and tried to kind of pinpoint any weaknesses or ways they played the game. It didn't help that much, but at the same time, it's something that we tried to do at least, and it seems like we were actually putting the effort in to kind of see what we can do to beat the American teams, whereas they gave up, as you said, before the event even started. Mm. So, and would you say that that was is that the most money you've ever won in one event? Yeah, must be right. Yeah, uh, and is it the biggest achievement of uh, your Halo career? Because obviously, you guys have been you've been to lots of MLGs in the past. Would you say it's like the proudest moment was there, or is there another one? I think, from my point of view, it didn't really feel like much of an achievement just because of the way it was laid out in terms of also we were waiting for to see if CLG be, actually beat Cloud9 in their game. So it was a bit of kind of delayed kind of, I guess, achievement. And kind of, from our side, a kind of a sense of, oh, okay, we've got top eight, but then they're, they're down to play for a while kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas I think, from my point of view, and also probably Will's, who argues all that, 
the, our best achievement in Halo would be in Halo 3 when we first went to a major league, major league gaming event um, for Anaheim with the Power Gaming Squad because we came there. No one expected us to do well and we came 19th. And to me, that, that was one of the biggest and the longest events I've been to in terms of we lost in the amateur bracket in the winner bracket, in the winner bracket round one or two, and played in the loser bracket throughout, made it for the loser bracket, made it out of the amateur bracket, and then did well against the American teams. And so, what's next for you guys? So, obviously, there's been a sort of announcement about Pro League, but no one really seems to know much about it. You were there, you might know more. And what's your plans for your team? Are you sticking together, or are you just seeing what happens yeah so with the pro league i think we're just all waiting to hear about what's what's going to happen next uh, how big is it going to be how consistent are we going to have to play because with things like the call of duty world league and that kind of thing they play almost every week and it's that like quite early in the in the daytime so obviously with myself my brother working and a few other people working how is that going to work so there's a lot of questions that need to be answered before we can actually kind of kind of get cracking and start practicing for it um so yeah, we're kind of having a bit of downtime now so we're just kind of playing some kind of casual games playing mm -hmm. with our teammates when we can just kind of enjoying life a bit um, but yeah, and in terms of the future for our team, well, there's no real reason for us to kind of split up at the moment. Um, we're the best team at the moment. We won the iSeries event, even though there wasn't as much competition. We won that about dropping a game, yeah. which is obviously a good, good accomplishment and a good achievement. Well, that will wrap it up for this time. I'm sure we'll speak to you soon. And thanks very much. Yeah, back to work. <laughs> back to work. Yeah. So we just heard from Buck 20 there, Miles. And obviously, Epsilon had a pretty good event. I mean, I, I guess they would have wanted to get out of that group and they made it, but then they got as... You know, Alex said in the interview they got pretty much flattened by Elevate three zero afterwards. So he he didn't seem overly happy. Like he sort of it was fine, but he felt like they they could have done a bit more. I mean, but what I thought they played really well, right? I mean, it, they played they seemed dominant against Cloud Nine and probably gave CLG as hard a match as they had all weekend. Yeah, I don't think anyone, no one gave CLG especially um, as much trouble as Epsilon did. And I remember the moment, you know, because I cast the first game, Epsilon versus C9, I cast that and watched Jimbo do some heinous things to players who I've respected and looked up to for my entire career. And casting career, like, all the time, like, loved them. And watching Jimbo do that was amazing. And then to finish that game, uh, I cast another series after that, I cast CLG versus Skyfire. And then I went to the toilet. And as soon as I got to the toilet, I opened my phone, as one does, and my Twitter feed was just full of messages saying, oh my god, Epsilon, what the F, my effing face. Holy shit, Jimbo, the Bucks, Tonight Drone, like, and I had to jump up, trousers down, run for it back from the, because we had trailers. This is another thing we should probably talk about. Is we had two trailers for the talent at the Halo World Champs. We had Starbucks coffee in like a jug, like a box of it, which was hot all the time. I don't know how they did it. Some guy was literally replacing it every hour. And we had fruit and shit, and it was amazing. It was great. And a hair and makeup lady that followed me around all day, making sure I was as beautiful as I could be, which is a very, very tough job. Shouts to Camille. She was exceptional. Uh, and like, so I ran from the trailers. I ran straight from the trailer back to the stage. And I saw that there was a tremendous crowd of people around back of the, the, the B stream. And the A stream was kind of a boring game. It was like, I'm, I'm going to say it was a boring game. It was Allegiance versus like Chosen Squad or something like that. It was kind of, it was a bit of a wash. It was a game that everyone knew was going to be a bit of, of a whitewash. And then I'm looking across and everyone is like hands on their head. Like, oh my God, Epsilon have just taken a game off of Counter Logic Gaming. And I look across at the casting booth and like Strong Side and Onset have both got their hands in the air. And I was like, <laughs> wow, this must be really, really good. And it was. It was amazing. Yeah. I mean I yeah I, I mean and the games were close as well. I mean they got they got beaten pretty quickly, I think 3-0 the first flag game, uh, by CLG. And then they won the Slayer reasonably comfortably. And then the other games were like 
3-2, and they were like four points away. They had control of four points away in that Strongholds game. I see I'll just engage that like better mode, you know, that thing that like good teams do, like, and we're better than you, and we're going to take map control at 94-94, and the game's over. And you're like, what? Well, how? Wait. So that, that seemed to happen. But, I mean, I thought they played amazing. They seemed disappointed. They were so basically flat and not really very good on the, the Saturday. But, I mean, I mean, we've got to talk about him. Jimbo, eh? I mean, that was... I mean, he, I, watching those games against Cloud9 and CLG, it was like, okay, this guy's like one of the best 10 players in the world. Because he, he, against Cloud9, he just looked like so much better than those guys. Like, just a better player. Just, they looked like, you know, it reminds me of when, um, you know, when you had, like, back in the Halo 2, you had Bobber in the UK, right? And he just used to walk around, like, walking through people. Like, like there was no problem. He would just storm through you, and like he looked like that. He looked like he was just so much better than them. He did, yeah. And there was a double kill that he picked up. Oh, I believe it was red flag. Well, he ground pound in, and I mean, we were just I, casting it. It was one of those moments where, like, it, it was a full John Cena comes out of nowhere, <laughs> and it was absolutely mad to see. He pounds in, gets the flag carrier, and he kills somebody while returning the flag. Gets the full return and the double for it, and you're just like, oh my god, dude, what has Jimbo just done? What has Jimbo just done to like two of my favorite Halo players of all time? What the hell? It was again. It was those moments where you realize how far European Halos come. I think Epson obviously played a lot better at the at the event than you know Infused and you know XL. Obviously, that was a slightly makeshift team that did well in the EBAs and got through. But you know, you know, Epsilon did lose to Infused at the last EU kind of land. I mean, Infused aren't miles away from that. They just didn't seem to have it at the tournament. And um, so I think there's potential there for, for you know, the EU to, to challenge more. But I think they have to be show the dedication that some of these the American teams are doing and Epsilon have shown. Because Epsilon really, really worked at it. They really, and they had the confidence, I think, to believe they could do it. Whereas I don't think Infused put that same work in because I don't really think they had the confidence that when they actually got out there, they would they would actually do it. So, you know, it's easy, it's much easier to get yourself motivated for getting on after work at seven o'clock till two in the morning, five nights a week, if you think you've got a shot of winning like an extra $60,000 or whatever. It's much harder to do that if you think we're going to go out there and we're just going to get banged out by, by Renegades and EG, regardless of what <laughs> happens. <laughs> it's weird, man. It's weird. I don't know. I mean, I was talking to the guys at the event and obviously in the in the after big sort of after party where everyone was eating pizza and having their two beers, I was I caught a few of the players and I was like, so what's next, man? I caught talking to two boxes, talking to Perry. We promised not to call each other by our game tags. And he was like, Ah, oh, you know, I don't know. I'll see. Uh, you know, we'll make some changes and we'll see what's going on. We want to know about the pro league. Everyone was just pro league, pro league, pro league, and I love that about all the players. No one was like, "Cool, that was great." Everyone was like, "What's next? Next yeah. event." We've all been paid, but next event, next event, next event. And I really, really like that. And I think the only person who said anything slightly negative to me was Blackjack. So he goes, he he, he comes up to me at the end and just goes, "I'm retiring," and I was like, "Piss off, man!" Oh, he does that like, every... every event. Every event, I'm done. I'm going to retire. Now. I was like, don't, don't even do it. Don't even say it because you'll be back in the next one. As soon as Pro League's announced, you'll drop everything. You'll stop playing Counter Strike or you'll stop playing League of Legends or whatever you do, and you'll play Halo again. And I told that to him. I was like, okay, yeah, you're retiring, and I'm going to go shave. Like, what? You know, something just preposterous, <laughs> unbelievable, preposterous, unbelievable, unthinkable nonsense. So. Yeah, well, no, I agree. I think, I mean, here in Everly, but I think that infused lineup's slightly more shifting. I think, obviously, uh, the only other, you've got Excel, and, you know, there's some good players in that team who maybe just 
they seemed as surprised as anyone as they got there, to be really honest with you. And um, there's obviously the Dignitas team, which I don't think have played since they, they got knocked out um, at EMEAs. But I think there's some, there's some good EU players. I think there could be some really good teams for Pro League. And I, if Pro League is regional, I have no idea if it is. I've got literally no information then. Hopefully it creates a bit of community and you know all these teams actually start playing again. Because I guess now for a lot of teams, particularly EU teams, there's a bit of downtime because it's all a bit up in the air. They've all been working so hard to this point, and now it's like, can we just get on with our lives for a bit, play for fun, and we'll see what happens. Um, maybe you want to talk a little about the ANZ, the ANZ teams, Miles. Um, how they got on, what the community is like down there, and to give the rest of the world a bit of an insight into you know their performances particularly, because I didn't see too much of them, and you know go from there. Well, the biggest, um, I suppose, we'll talk about disappointments first of all. Like, I, I was disappointed with how XR5 played. Now, XR5, they are from, majority of the players are from New Zealand. Um, and you've probably all seen Bald, who is a serious character in this community. Like, he's a lot of fun. He makes some really good YouTube videos. Uh, they they, they went, actually went out to the US. Both teams went out to the US. I think it was a week in advance. And they had tons of online practice um, against the US, which was honestly, it must have improved them tenfold. Because the scene here is, it's still, you know, the quality of the players are very, very high. Everyone's, you know, it's, it's like how we were in Halo 2. The overall skill level is extremely high and players are really good at the game. But the teams are so young and um, I'll call them immature in the sense that yeah. no one sticks around that long. No one, if, if a couple of screams go bad, somebody tells somebody to fuck off and then the team splits. And that's it, done. And we saw that with the online qualifiers. So through Cups 1 to 4, I mean, only maybe two teams remain the same. And that was the teams who qualified in the first two Cups. Apart from that, everyone changed lineup. And that was within, that was once a week. So imagine having a team <laughs> for four days and you qual- you're going to qualify in, if you, if you win, the, if you win the, the event on the weekend or if you win the, the tournament on the Sunday, you qualify for the LAN that comes up in a month's time. But literally, these guys have been teams for four, maybe five days at a time. If that. Some of these teams have been together for, like, hours. And they were like, yeah, let's just roll with it. And for that reason, I think the ANZ region is is um, is definitely lacking in that respect. And they are falling. They fell behind the European squads. Because if you think of, like, I mean, just for an example, the Epsilon has been a team for God knows how long now. I don't remember I think the last over, time I over saw. a year, I think they've been together. Yeah, I, I saw, the last time I saw the Epsilon lineup. um... Yeah, it was it was the battle for Europe on MCC, and that was before Buck Fifty Seven come back in to take reaction space, and that was a long time. That was a really long time ago. Even the Infuse lineup, they've been a team for a while now. Yeah, they dropped Max, they dropped Riots, um, but still, like that's as a as a core group of players, they've been together for a long time. So the only other teams in the ANZ region who have been together for that long, obviously Team Immunity, have been together forever. That like a really really long time. The only the newest member of that team was um, Seduce, um, young Daniel, who's now actually left that team and he's moved on again. For for a decent reason, they 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 felt it was like a personal thing. It was a, co- a clash of personalities, and if you're not going to be able to play three, maybe four hours a night with that person, it's not going to work out. So yeah, that's totally, make totally understandable. There. Yeah, it's but, totally cool. So, but that that kind of lineup, they they really underperformed um, in their group. They went three and six in their group, and they could have honestly made it out. Like they almost beat Denial um, in their series. They edged. They had the closest TS on rig. Which was a fifty forty nine screamer, and the big the, the worst drama for that team again. If any, for those of you who haven't who don't know, Immunity lost their captain, a guy called Hef, who is a wicked player out here. Who has again been with that lineup for ages. He damaged his hand. He broke his hand. Uh, it must have been five or four or five days before they went out for that practice trip um, pre Worlds, 
which is honestly tremendous. I mean, that's a footballer breaking his leg. That and and then you have to get in a whole new player. Yeah. And so they picked up another member of um, another player, a great great player, a guy called Junior. Um, or yeah, his name's Junior. We don't call him Teddy Joe. Teddy Joe Junior. It's very complicated. Um, he he joined the team. So he was on a team called Prime, who were also at the ANZ Regionals, who played really well. They actually lost to XL Five. Um, but again, like it's so difficult to make that kind of change and to bring in a player at that last minute for a tournament that is this big. Yeah. Um, and again, there was always, I'm, I'm sure there was some problems with the players, you know, personality clashing and all that sort of crap, which you have to get over in such a short space of time. And then there's the real life problems of like, oh, you need to get a visa sorted, you need to get your fight sorted, you've got to do all this stuff. And all that is happening in such a small period of time. And then when you get to the US, it's like, okay, now we finally get to practice. Yeah, it's just such an amazing undertaking to go for. I think, I mean, but also, I mean, XL5 took Infused to Game 5, I believe, and Immunity beat uh, Fab, the Germans. So They I mean, beat Fabi, honestly, really easily. So, I, I mean, was super surprised. It's not, like, it's not like they're miles away from like the EU and the kind of, maybe that second tier of American teams. Do you know what I mean? Like, not the kind of top guys, but like maybe that second tier, which maybe includes kind of Epsilon Infused, and then you've got, um, you know, I think... It, it bodes well for future competition, I, I think, and I hope. Um, maybe we should just do a very quick, you know, Miles. So who was your MVP of uh, the Worlds? Lay it on me. Dude, MVP of the whole tournament, that is a really tough call. Because, I, I, honestly, I've just, without it being, if it's a member of CLG, I'm giving it to Snakebite, hands down. I really think, he just played the most flawless Halo I've ever seen. He has an obscenely good shot, and... Is decision making, and I think again the decision making of that team. I can't indivi- I can't put it to an individual because they're not individuals. They are count logic game. They are a four, and they do move as one, and they make decisions together. And it's just it's beautiful to watch. But as an individual, like I don't want to give it to Naded because that's too cliche. I also um, d- I also to- just straight up don't think Naded was the best player at the tournament. I mean. I- He's a fan favorite, and he won that award, and I love him. You know, I've been a huge—I mean, a huge native fan. I love, I love watching him play, but I straight up don't think he was the best player at the event. I think I—I'd go with you. I go Snake White from CLG. I just don't like. I think if you're talking about the best player, then I think it's—it's it's one of them. Um, I think yeah. that's fair enough. Who would you go for your unsung hero? I'll—I'll I'll, I'll go with mine to give you some time to think. Cause I'm just springing this on you right now. Uh, I think I really like Unlegit. I think he's got a big. Potential. I think he was the sort of guy that he got picked up sort of out of nowhere onto various squads. I think he was in Renegades at one point, and you know it didn't go so well for them. But he played really, really well. I think he looks great, and I think he's one with like when Rostermania settles down. I hope he gets on a good team and shows what he can do. So I was really quite impressed with him. That sounds great. Uh, he was um, yeah. Again, it was it was awesome to see these guys coming out of the woodwork. And again, I, I, as you said, unsung hero definitely comes springs to mind. I think um, for me, a player who. Like let's give it. I'm going to give it to Benno from Team Immunity. If anyone, yeah? if you get to rewatch those games, have a look, man. He really played out of his skin, and um, he got a lot of love from the US um, community. Who again? Because there's no frame of reference for these guys. There's no frame of like, oh, I know, I know what Immunity look like. Or I know what um, Infuse it like. You get to watch them maybe once a season, and that's from a tournament, unless they're streamers. And even then, time differences make that so hard. So if you watch back Benno's games against Denial particularly, and even against Fabi, which was a, an absolute whitewash, but against Denial, he's really played out of his skin. He's got a super solid shot, and he has a really annoying play style. Um, he's a really <laughs> sneaky player. He's just an asshole to play against. You know when you get that feeling where you're like, 
you think you're making the right decision, you think everything's going good, and then some crap happens, like you get naded, or you get beat down from out of nowhere, he's that kind of guy. He's like a boo-boo, he's like, I, if I had to compare him to a US player, it'd probably be boo-boo-doo-boo, because they're both sneaky bastards. Yeah, Boo-Boo-Doo-Boo was incredibly sneaky, and it's good to see that level of like sneakiness coming back into Halo because you know it was he was just great to watch, and he he seemed to play with a lot of fun, which was great. You know, he seemed to enjoy himself up there, which was great. So, and I guess that maybe brings us to the end of our world's wrap up, Mars. I suppose if we seem to have, I can't think of any stones left unturned. Unless there's anything else you want to add. I mean, there's, I've got loads of stories about stupid shit happening in the uh, in the hotel rooms and and embarrassing stories of people who like getting like bad drunk, bad drunk, you know, bad drunk. Oh, Miles, I mean, you bad know, drunk. We're not. Well, this isn't this isn't the forum for that sort of behaviour. You know, we're we're going to keep it keep this legit. You know, I'm also looking for a lot of commercial opportunities out of this. So if anyone wants to sponsor us, give us loads of money <laughs> to make this, then we we're available for that, and that's why we're going to keep it. You know, mostly above board. But that, we'll that... Keep up, I, I also feel like if you do want us to absolutely lay someone out and um, and and pull trousers down and demolish them, like I think we're both happy to do that as well. Yeah, again. Well, and also big shout out to Alex for doing the interview with us, who featured on today's podcast. So yeah, that's just about gonna wrap it up for us. Our next podcast, we're hoping to do this every couple of weeks, uh, depending on schedules. But that's the plan. The next podcast is going to be is going to be a show based around the theme of what's next for Halo. So I'm going to be looking for some details on Pro League and kind of talking to lots of the figures in the community, hopefully, to sort of say what's coming next. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to The Halo Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at at The Halo Podcast. And there you'll find links to our Audio Boom, SoundCloud, YouTube accounts. And you can also subscribe on iTunes. And we'll see you next time. Thanks very much.